Tonight is Wednesday, September 22nd, 2021, and it's the Fantasy Finish Line podcast. We're going to be talking about week three of the 2021 NFL season. Let's go. LFG. <laughs> is that like the BFG? No. Yes. Let's friendly go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's friendly go. Clearly what it, what it stands for, right? You got, a, you got a glass for a little hard coffee? Yes. We're not exclusive beer guys. We we don't discriminate when it comes to alcohol. Is that a it's a malt liquor beverage? It's probably a how do they describe it? Malt beverage, yes. Yep. It's kinda like a cold forty-five, you know. It <laughs> contains milk, so when we're drinking milk with liquor, it's like we're in the fifties again. Ah, well, I, I always enjoy your company here on Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Central, which is something I always say to my friends. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so cheers cheers to this coffee slash alcohol keeping us uh, awake through this wonderful fantasy broadcast. Cheers. Yes, I am Jason Evans. This is the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast. Joining me, as always, is Mr. David Biggs. David, thank you for, uh, once again, being here for the show. You, yeah. You're in you're two weeks in a row now. Congratulations. That's great. <laughs> I think it's been many more uh, years a, than that. Yeah. It's an Iron Man streak waiting to happen. Mm. So uh, last week we went over week two. We did pretty well about uh, what we had to say about week two, I would say. We'll get to some of that later in the show. Um, but I hope you are all enjoying your fantasy football seasons so far. It is one week longer than normal. So um, have you taken that into account yet when it comes to what your like long-term plans are for the season? I don't think you take it into account. It's just like uh, bye weeks. It's just like uh, injury-prone players. It's just like... Uh, just got to roll with it. It's just going to happen, and there's yeah. nothing that is going to change I mean, on it's, your end. It's certainly likely that there will be slightly more injuries... Uh, and maybe slightly more chaos if the season goes longer. However, um, that's not anything that we can actually predict with any kind of uh, regularity. Uh-huh. we got to get you some stickers on your laptop, Dave. No, I'm, I'm an- looking at the camera feed, and your computer is just too boring. I'm anti- Mine's a little active, I admit. I'm anti-stickers. It's a on, little active. On but, the electronics. But I, I have the, pap- the Paps Blue Ribbon giant sticker right next to the Paps Blue Ribbon uh, can, and it's good framing. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. Anyways. I have stickers on my cooler, but I think the laptop is, uh, you know, it's a sticker-free sacred? Sticker free zone. Sacred. What is sacred? Sacred? Yeah. It's... Is it like salmon? Is that... <laughs> no, it's like a secret. It's like a toilet? A toilet? <laughs> <laughs> sacred, sacred are, are no fun. Okay. Uh, so we are drinking, of course, the Pabst Blue Ribbon Hard Coffee, which we had last week, and... Uh, we were slightly accused of being blasphemous, but I don't care. It has alcohol in it and caffeine, and it's 9 o'clock at night, and I'm not young. I can use a little boost. Well, the show, uh, you know, we're, we're only saying it's drink5.com, not like what we're drinking five not of. drink five beer it, exclusively because we're snobs. It could be orange juice with pineapple. Um, it could be a vodka and cranberry. It, it could, could be toilet wine. It could be toilet wine. Toilet wine. Yeah. Salmon. It could be salmon. As long as it's not salmonella. Salmon water? Salmon water. That's gross. Is that like ranch water, but more gross? I think we should move on. So what are, what are we drinking tonight? Uh, we're drinking that, and we're drinking Glen Cullen? Yeah, I think it's Glen Cullen. The 10-year scotch. 
So that um, is uh, uh, part of a bet, which we will get to soon. Well, why don't why don't you go over that now? Since we're since it we, was week two stuff, we can drink a draught uh, and uh, and discuss what our over unders were last week. Yes. So if you listened to us last week, we um, at the end of the show, I believe, uh, brought up some players and talked about the performances in week one and put up a stat line for week two. So, Dave, you had Matt Stafford under 24 points, and he um, put up 18.22, which was 278 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. He, you had Jalen Hurts over 21 points, and he just snuck by it with 21.8, uh, 190 passing yards, 82 rushing yards, and a rushing touchdown. Yeah, very, very so, close to that, but I know he's going to rush for 75 yards plus like almost every game. Yeah, so. he's an RB1 plus a bad quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> you had Damian Harris That's right. under 10.7 points, and his uh, spectacular touchdown run put him over that mark. Uh, he finished with 12.9. So that was the only one you got wrong because you also had Jawan Johnson, who uh, your line was under 9 points, and he had three targets, one catch, 23 yards, 2.8 points. You know, those th- it's a hype beast. Jawan Johnson was a hype beast that uh, I'm going to talk about some of those Perhaps a little bit later. Perhaps the Saints too. entirely were... <laughs> All on their own were hype beasts? I think they're going to be just so um, chaotic yeah. uh, this year because they're not used to any of the pieces that they I have. I think they were right aided now. by the fact that the Green Bay defense didn't show up for the first six quarters of the season. Yeah, that's also accurate. Yeah. And then on <laughs> my end, I had Clyde Edwards Hilaire over 14.1 points. What was I thinking? He had 2.6, uh, 46 rushing yards, and a fumble. Mike. Williams over 12.2. I uh, hit that one well. He had 91 yards and a touchdown with seven catches there. 18.6 points. Jalen Waddle under 10.5. He only had 5.8 points because he had six catches for 48 yards and a fumble, but eight targets. So I think that Waddle is definitely a guy to keep looking at on that team as someone who's going to get a lot of looks. Because eight targets is a lot, although there's a lot of chaos going on in Miami right now. Perhaps we'll touch on that in a bit. And I had Chris Manhurts over 3.0 points. I don't know. You know, you, you could have set that line at 1.0 and it wouldn't have hit because he had one target and zero catches. What's my secret whiskey weapon? Yeah. <laughs> Your Manhurts. <laughs> well, you know, you can you can uh, do the same thing to me next week, for example. Sure. Uh, and then uh, you can you can also pull out a secret whiskey weapon. I look know. forward to it. Yeah. So that was a 3-2 to victory on you for the first bet of the year. And uh, we redeemed it immediately, uh, which is very unlike us. So I did pick up a bottle of uh, Glen Cohen. We should have had it featured on the table. Maybe um, it will magically appear at some point during the podcast uh, so that we can show it off. Um, but, yeah, cheers to that one, Dave. I think that it's a fine scotch, and uh, I enjoy what we've had of it so far. So, you know... You know us, if you've watched us before, we like to place bets. If you have any suggestions for fantasy football-related bets or uh, things to wager upon, then please suggest them to us. I'm not saying we're going to go with it, but I'm open to suggestion. Yeah, we like wagering. I think that's uh, that's an accurate remark as well. Yes. So forgive me, I was just, uh, I was just tweeting about our show from our little uh, Drink 5 guy. Uh, we, we do uh, recommend checking out drink5.com if you're not already uh, interested in that website or have seen some of our contributions that we get from our regular contributors like Sean Foss, who writes a rookie report column, generally comes out on uh, Wednesday or Thursday. Always something to check out. 
Um, and we have Tad Bukowski, who writes uh, the confidence picks. We have Troy Maples right now, who's doing some early line betting. Yeah. Um, and we have Matt Cochran talking about survivor pools and Jim Hutchins writing about uh, waiver wire picks that usually comes out on Monday or Tuesday morning. We've got your rankings. My rankings uh, every week. And then Jason has a great article as well that goes over all of the crazy statistical goings on um, that happened in the previous week coming out on, on each Monday usually. So all sorts Hopefully. of content. You know, uh, more to come. If I'm as well. on top of my stuff, if maybe it comes out on Monday, depending on if he was watching the football game on Monday night or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah. So so cheers to me uh, winning that particular matchup. I'm sure that uh, bets will be up and down all season as they always are, and that's the nature of things, really. That's how bets should be. So let's talk about some of the big stories from the week. Are you cool with that? I am. I, I like uh, what you did there. That's two, for all of us who can read your notes. That's two G's. <laughs> um, <laughs> so first of all, we have uh, Rick Stroud, who's a Bucks reporter. I uh, tweeted out this morning at like 10.30 a.m. I was just coming out of a meeting, and I saw this tweet out. Uh, again, we have to have a whole podcast about what guys to follow, because you can get information before any of the news outlets have it if you just are paying attention to some beat reporters from the various 32 NFL teams. Um, He said that Antonio Brown was put on the reserve COVID-19 list. That means that he has to have two negative tests 24 hours apart, according to the league COVID rules, in order to start in week three against the Rams. And that's for anybody who's even been exposed, right? Like when they use the contract, contact tracers, that's when, whenever they get put on the list, they have to have that. And being put on the list doesn't mean that you've tested positive. I, I believe that's correct. I don't have it in front of me, but okay. uh, the that whole team is 100% vaccinated according to the, the league information as uh, reported by the team itself. Um, but inconsequential to what we're talking about specifically, which is that because Antonio Brown tested positive, which uh, Adam Schefter later confirmed, um, he probably won't be testing negative over the next two days because it will take a little bit longer generally unless he's on the very tail end of that, which is unlikely based on the constant testing that they do. Right. Uh, so I would assume, uh, based on anecdotal and uh, personal experience um, from friends and family, that it will probably take until next week for him to be able to come back into the fold and be able to play live snaps. So something to watch closely um, it would certainly raise the floor for the other receivers. Interesting thing this year is that since they have Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin out there, sometimes one of those receivers is not having a great game. They end up being used as a decoy or uh, either either on purpose or inadvertently right. um, through Tom Brady's offense. And I think Tyler Johnson may see a good amount of snaps if Antonio Brown isn't out I there. I mean, Brady can't throw the ball... 60 times a game, his arm will literally fall off. <laughs> yes. And Tyler Johnson did, in Antonio Brown's absence uh, last year, uh, put up some good games. So that could be an upside sneaky play if you're having issues with people that are put on IR. I know Jarvis Landry, uh, Jerry Judy. There's a lot of guys that you may have started that are on IR right now. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't discount that sort of option because they're playing the Rams this week. Mm-hmm. The Rams have one of the best secondaries in the league, so... They're going to be put on Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They are going to be trying to shut down those uh, the best of the best on the Bucks. Tom Brady is smart enough to know where his other guys are. As long as they are running the routes and they have a good week of practice, then Brady will look their way. Yep, that's uh, 
that's good advice. And uh, we'll likely hear Antonio Brown's status on Friday or Saturday. I don't think they're going to try to get him up against it. Uh, they're playing on Sunday afternoon. I don't think this will be like a uh, waiting until 3.25 p.m. thing because they're probably going to have those tests going much earlier in the morning. Well, he has days. to pass two tests within 24 hours. So if he doesn't pass the test no, the day before. No, two tests 24 hours apart. Okay, so if he doesn't pass the test the day before, then he can't play the game anyways. Uh, so I would assume because it's Antonio Brown, we would know if he passes a test at any point between <laughs> now and, and based, like the day before the Based game. on his Instagram? Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, if he passes, he'll be really excited and say, hey, I only need one more right before the game starts. Um, but if he doesn't, you know, 24 hours before the game starts, if he doesn't pass a test, then he's not going to play. Maybe. I just think statistically that the odds are way against this being a, a game that AB is going to play in. Right. Let's, let's for now, just basically count him out. I yeah. have no problem with that. I think that that's logical. So, uh, think about that. Uh, obviously, you're going to start Chris Godwin or Mike Evans anyway. I actually have a league where I have a Mike Evans and Antonio Brown. So, for me, this really clears up the situation. That's where a nice stack. I can just play Mike Evans. Because those guys are definitely... Like, Chris Godwin seems to have a nice high floor. <laughs> but those two, Antonio Brown and Mike Evans, the floor is some basement. Yeah, like, either one could have 28 <laughs> points or, or two. 2.8. Yeah. So, it's nice to have one not there. I have a feeling Mike Evans is going to have a much bigger game because of... AB being gone. Uh, second item I thought was interesting is Justin Fields is officially the starter for the Chicago Bears. I believe that uh, that we were predicting that we got that week three Justin Fields. Well, he's, he's only the starter because Andy Dalton is not healthy. Sure. So Andy Dalton sidelined from a bone bruise on the knee uh, that he incurred in week two against the Bengals. But it doesn't really matter why someone starts. If Justin Fields does a good job, Andy Dalton is no longer the starter. I think so. Um, now, unfortunately... Uh, Justin Fields has had some issues. He almost gave away the game after he went in with, uh, with the lead uh, that Andy Dalton and the Bears had generated against the game last week. Uh, there were some mistakes that he made. You're going to expect them, um, but he has to play well to keep the job or else they will put Andy Dalton back in, sit him back with the clipboard for the rest of the year. Um, it is fun to see Justin Fields out there. He's a running quarterback, not like a Lamar Jackson, uh, but someone who is going to run 10 rushes uh, that are designed for him per game. So it will take a little bit of, of that away from David Montgomery. That's, Do you think so? Mm -hmm, absolutely. See, I, I get the feeling that David Montgomery's production can go up. Maybe not his carries, but his production can go up because... The, the defenses are going to have more rushing threats to worry about. Sure, if it was Michael Vick and uh, um, uh, what's-his-face back in uh, 2000. Oh, and like Shady McCoy? Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, this is not an established threat. Or I guess whoever was on the Falcons. It's not know. an established threat, you know. I was talking about You're right, it's McCoy not established at all. So I think that what it will do, first of all, is uh, is give Montgomery less carries during the actual football game. But you're right that if they're able to put this together in a cohesive uh, relationship, that it could end up being good for Montgomery. I just don't think that people are going to be scared of fields off the bat. You're right. I don't think they're scared, but I think that they're going to prepare for it because you have to give players the benefit of the doubt that they can do the things that they've been drafted to do. You don't have to. Well, as a defense, <laughs> when you're doing, uh, when you're watching film and you're preparing for the week, you have to, in my opinion, just because if if they end up doing the thing that they do, then you're prepared for it. If they can't do it, then you're already a steps 
far ahead of them. Well, it remains to be seen, but 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 what I do know is that he will be rushing, uh, you know, five to twelve times per game. Sure. And and so the immediate he impact, really wasn't great. I think it was ten rushes for thirty one yards, which is yeah. Well, it's garbage. I I mean, I, again, I think he's a rookie quarterback that has a lot to learn, and they made some mistakes and. Uh, they weren't assuming he was going to start anyway in that game. I wish that so. they took an approach like the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson, where they would rather design an offense around the quarterback rather than take the quarterback and insert him into the offense they've already uh, created. Well, conjecture, especially conjecture centered around the Bears' offense, is probably not something to to involve ourselves with. Yeah, I mean, it's no wonder why I can't stand that team. They're going to run. <laughs> they're going to run their offense, and it'll be slightly different with Fields, and they'll have some designed runs. But it's not going to be Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Yeah. They're not going to change everything for Fields. I, I know. I, so I, do, do you think that a team should? I think when you draft a quarterback that the idea behind the draft is for him to be the focal point of the offense, that you have to make concessions with your offensive play calling uh, and add things on that are specifically for him. Yeah. Now, to what volume uh, of, of the calls that is depends on the team, whereas the Ravens went uh, full tilt. I don't think that the Bears play that kind of pinball, is all I'm saying. Yeah, and the Bears invested more draft capital in fields than the Ravens did in, in Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I mean, the Bears regularly invest large draft capital now on quarterbacks that don't work out because they don't give them the room that they need to grow. Exactly. But But... For the fantasy purposes of this year, I do think that there's some dependable targets that you'll see a lot more Cole Komet uh, as a safety net. He's a great tight end. Uh, Jimmy Graham as well, but he's not really playable based on the volume that he'll get. Uh, Darnell Mooney is someone that he appeared to favor as a target in the game when he came in uh, last week. And so a lot of people are super hyped on Mooney. I already think Mooney is a WR2 for the Bears is a good option. So I think Mooney propels himself into a, an every week starting flex position uh, with Justin Fields as the starter. Oh, that's interesting. I like that. Uh, Allen Robinson should be very good with Fields as well because the offense should be more dynamic. There was a pass that uh, uh, I think Robinson should have caught. Uh, I didn't watch the whole game, but I believe that it was put right where he could catch it and he didn't. Uh, so I think they just need more chemistry and, and relationship with each other. Uh, but I think those receivers are going to benefit more than Montgomery. Now, I know that you don't necessarily share that opinion, but I don't think that a rookie running quarterback can suddenly support an offense of four fantasy uh, uh, production players. So I think we're only going to end up probably with Mooney and Robinson and everyone else will kind of fall to the wayside until they can design plays properly. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, but the level of variability here and the level of chaos is through the roof because it's the Bears, because it's a rookie quarterback, because uh, you know the the play calling on the Bears' offense already wasn't something that was celebrated. <laughs> um, so we'll see. Uh, I think we've both added our opinions into that, but it's a watch-and-see situation. Justin Fields could easily be a top-15 quarterback, uh, um, it was obviously a, a huge pickup in uh, Superflex leagues on the waiver this week. Uh, and I think that uh, he has just as much a chance to be the number 25 guy as he does the number six guy this next week. I, yeah, it, it, it's the, the expectations, uh, you know, are high for him, certainly here in Chicago, but anything could happen. And, and really, I wouldn't be surprised at any outcome aside from like if he were to pass for like four or five touchdowns yeah 
But even, you know, Trubisky had a few games like that. Yep. Uh, we are taking questions, uh, as Jason put in the chat, and for those of you that are listening on a podcast afterwards, um, we usually release the, the following day after the uh, broadcast live on YouTube. Uh, please go ahead and send us any questions that you might have on Twitter or Jason at drink5.com, Dave at drink5.com. Uh, those are places that you can reach us easily. We would love if you subscribe to the YouTube channel and, uh, and smash the like button uh, on that video right now. It helps us out, and we're going for 100 subscribers this year. We just started the videos recently, and so we'd love to, to reach that point. One more news article uh, is that Odell Beckham and Will Fuller, both guys for different reasons, but but uh, but have shared history as well uh, with injury statuses, et cetera, over the sure. past couple of years, uh, are, are both looking like they're going to make their 2021 NFL debut this week. So both receivers, as I mentioned, played with injuries over the last couple of years. Yep. Will Fuller just came off suspension. Then he had a personal thing that he went to go do. I was actually having a conversation with somebody this past weekend uh, over a fire about Will Fuller, uh, the fact that there's that possibility. That we, we know nothing about the guy, you know, that maybe he wanders off on a personal issue, never comes back again. Like, these things are not unheard of in the NFL. Sure, he's uh, going to go on a spirit quest. Yeah, I mean, what's Will Fuller's spirit animal? Probably like a gazelle or something. Something that gets hurt a lot, but is like really athletic. <laughs> With little tiny legs, little <laughs> stick leg gazelle. Yes. Uh, but but they're going to come out this week uh, and, and probably both play. And so my question is, uh, even though they have had all those issues, they are still guys that have WR1 upside. They're not old receivers. They're still fast uh, and are very good at catching those long passes into the end zone. So do we think that either has the potential to be a rock star this season on uh, Miami or on Cleveland, uh, even just for a stretch of several games? Or are those players that you're going to avoid with, with all of your heart uh, and not even pick up if they're on the waiver wire? Well, I have uh, both of these players on different rosters. Okay. So, you know, um, being that we're on like seven or eight Yeah, leagues. it's pretty inevitable, especially yeah. with guys that – uh, you could pick up cheap late or like Odell, you know, he keeps falling in drafts. Mm -hmm. With Jarvis Landry out, uh, he's on the IR now for the Browns. Mm -hmm. I think that Odell is definitely going to have a lot of targets. Um, they're going to be playing the Bears this week. So the Bears, uh, one of their biggest weaknesses is that nickel corner. So if they can put Odell in the slot, which isn't. His main position, he's more of an outside guy. But with Jarvis gone, if you can if you can throw Odell in the slot, he could really feast there. He could play really well. Um, yeah, I have this dream that that Odell. Oh, uh, it's a, it's kind of a daydream that Odell could have like eleven targets. Uh, you know, eight catches for hundred and twenty yards. If in he the plays touchdown. in the slot, I see a high <laughs> conversion rate there. If he plays outside, I could see eleven targets, but he may only catch five. Uh, as for Will Fuller, he's got Jacoby Brissett throwing in the ball this week. I have no idea what's going to happen there. Mm -hmm. I would not start Will Fuller this week. I do endorse starting Odell Beckham this week, though. But uh, but you think both still have that upside available depending on the pieces surrounding them and their situations game to when game. When Will Fuller is right, he has the highest, as high of an upside as any wide receiver in the league. We've only really seen him excel with Deshaun Watson. It's true. Uh, however, but that was his only quarterback in his career. Yeah, he takes off. Until he steps on the field with Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, he takes off and burns the safety and just give him the ball. Yeah, I mean, this, uh, in my uh, group of guys where we uh, talk about gambling a lot, we're talking a lot this week about how this is like a trap game for the Raven, for the Raiders. 
John Gruden is only a lot of high hats. has only won like thirty percent of his games when he's two and zero. Oh. Uh, so um, this is kind of a trap game for the Raiders. It could be something where the Dolphins are able to succeed just because the Raiders can't get out of their own way. So I, I don't want to necessarily put a lot behind that because this is certainly a different Raiders team than we've seen. They've beaten two very quality opponents this week. They beat the Ravens, who turned around and beat the Chiefs, and they beat the Steelers, who had beaten the uh, Bills in Week 1, and the Bills we know are a good team as well. So the, Ra- the Raiders have two very good wins under their belt. It's hard to believe that a team like Miami can give them too much trouble, but it does feel like a bit of a trap game. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they have uh, they're highly credentialed by proxy. Yeah, yeah. They have they they probably are the they they probably have the the, the most quality two and O team. So I agree. Let's go Odell Beckham, and uh, it's it's interesting uh, when we we talk about those guys uh, that that can have that that high upside game. When when I look at um, uh, at where Odell is in in the rankings, uh, I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure where where he lies in um, uh, in the ECR uh, in the expert consensus rankings. Okay, um, but I I do I know. So again, our rankings are going to be available. Uh, if you want to see Dave's rankings exclusively, you can only get them on Drink5.com. He is one of the experts listed on. Fantasy Pros, however, when you go to Fantasy Pros, you can't just look at a guy's individual rankings. You got to go uh, to their website, or sometimes some of those guys don't, uh, you know, provide that at all. Yeah, well, so so I currently have him as far as uh, week three ranked as number ninety-eight no, no. Uh, wide receiver, but that's only because he hasn't hasn't actually uh, been given the green light to go. He's just practicing. Sure. So, so he's seventy nine is his ECR at the moment. So I feel like he'll, so I think a lot of people are ranking him similarly. Well, he'll move up uh, as the as the week goes on, but he could, he could find his way all the way for me to like a forty something. Uh, maybe even a high 30-something if he's healthy and ready to go for the Cleveland Browns, which makes him a, a flex or WR3 receiver on your fantasy team. And I agree with Jason. Uh, if Jarvis Landry is not there and he is going to be out this week, um, then Beckham could end up being the go-to guy for that offense, especially because the Bears are actually pretty decent at rush defense, all things considered. Uh, they're going to have to air the ball out a little bit in Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, that's Cleveland's strength is running the ball right now. So it's strength on strength and defense there. So it's going to be up to, um, uh, what's his face, Mr. Ba- Mr. Baker Mayfield. That's his face. That's his face. <laughs> Sweet. Well, a little, a little uh, break, a little whiskey break. Would you mind pouring me a little extra? I got you here. How sweet it is to win, you know. <laughs> I suppose you get to sit with it on your side. All right, so you're the winner. It's We're all winners here because we just get to drink it. It's a Glen Cullen. Okay, so last week we took a look at the ECR differential. Uh, we were just talking about ECR. ECR is the expert consensus rankings on Fantasy Pros. Fantasy Pros being a aggregation of tons of fantasy 
you know, information. It is a site that you should go to after you've read everything that we have to say on drink5.com. Um, <laughs> so, sure, sure. Uh, we're going to look at our rankings versus the ECR, look at the differential, and pick out a couple of quarterbacks that uh, we think, you know, uh, you should pay attention to and listen to us rather than the, the masses. So last week we looked at this. We were able to successfully point out that Aaron Rodgers would be better than expected, that Melvin Gordon and Ronald Jones would both be busts, that Kenny Galladay was to be avoided like COVID, and that Will Fuller needed to be considered on your lineup. But remember, always watch the news later in the week so you can find out that Will Fuller was taking a personal day on Sunday. Uh, So whoops on that last one. Um, You know. Just a reminder, always check the news on Friday, Saturday before your lineups. Don't just set your lineup on Wednesday night and expect everything to be okay. So at quarterback, we have Teddy Bridgewater, who has been ranked number nine by Dave, and his ECR is 12, so that's a plus three there. Uh, He scored over 20 points in each of his first two games this season. He's thrown two passing touchdowns in each game. Overall, he's the QB 12 on the season, so I think he should be strongly considered as a streaming quarterback in all formats. He has a matchup against the Jets this week, and they don't give up a lot of points to opposing quarterbacks, but I believe it's because they've faced Sam Darnold and Mac Jones so far. That's all. Neither of them need to do anything in the air to secure their team a victory. Teams have just been running the ball against the Jets, so Teddy Bridgewater will, you know, don't worry about the Jets not giving up tons of points to opposing quarterbacks, I guess is what I'm saying here. I don't think he's going to have any problem lighting up Gang Green. Uh, what do you like about Teddy Bridgewater this year, Dave? Is, have you seen improvements, or do you just think that like he is, you know, like the best game manager right now? You know, Bridgewater hasn't had that many chances to expand his uh, quarterback vocabulary uh, and and stay with the team for a long period of time. Uh, you know, with the same offensive coordinator. That's a good point. And so uh, he's sort of been Jay Cutler in that way. He was always uh, like a, a very highly rated prospect when he went to Minnesota, and obviously the the crazy injury that that he incurred has been an issue for for a while. It's yeah, it's a you know a life threatening injury will certainly change your career. So I think personally that he's a quarterback that could stick around in the NFL for the length of of his career, which might be 10, 12 years. And I see good things out of Bridgewater. I just don't see him surpassing uh, that sort of uh, average to above average quarterback performance. He's never going to be an elite guy, um, but you don't need an elite guy in the NFL. So on a team like Denver that has a a whole bunch of – uh, of passing threats on their offense. Yeah. They uh, and uh, they have running backs in Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon that are, uh, that are certainly qualified for the job. Um, and a good tight end. Uh, he only needs to be an average quarterback to propel them to victory. Yeah. I mean, maybe in a few years we'll be talking about the Teddy Bridgewater line as the line of, you know, the minimum that you need to get to the, to the promised land. But I think at the moment he's certainly above that line, wherever we've uh, landed on it lately. I know it's, we've left Andy Dalton in the dust. Um, I think it's might be a, a Matt Ryan line at the moment, but I, I like Bridgewater as a top 10 quarterback, really. Uh, so Kirk Cousins, his rank is number 10. His ECR is 15. So we've got him five spots ahead of the rest of the world. Kirk Cousins um, is the quarterback 10 on the season. He's put up five touchdowns and zero interceptions in his two games. Uh, and both of those games have come down to the very last play, which means he's throwing the ball. He's either catching up or trying to protect a lead. Um, 
So earlier this year, he early on in this year, excuse me. It may be the Jimmy Garoppolo line, by the way. The Jimmy G line. <laughs> you know what? If they could keep one healthy running back on the 49ers, then yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. But Jimmy G is going to need to be better than than Jimmy G in order to get them to the Super Bowl. They just signed Chris Thompson. He's a fun uh, he's a fun guy. Oh yeah, he's a favorite of the podcast. Mm-hmm. For sure. So so far this year, Kirk Cousins has a career best completion rate of seventy one point six percent. That's just you know a small sample size. Still, he's averaging twenty three point six five fantasy points per game. He is only owned in eighty one percent of leagues. So if you're streaming quarterbacks, there aren't going to be many options out there that are better than Kirk Cousins. So this week he faces Seattle. They're giving up lots of yards through the air, uh, which means it's another good matchup. They haven't given up a lot of touchdowns yet, but I think that. The yardage is the key there. Touchdowns will come. If you're giving up a lot of yards, then you're going to continue to give up a lot of yards. That means that Kirk Cousins is going to be able to move the ball through the air, and the Minnesota Vikings offense is going to be able to score points. It's going to be up to Seattle to keep up with them, which they won't have any trouble doing. You know, they got Russell Wilson and all. But I think Kirk Cousins can have another good top 10 quarterback performance this week. And you putting him at 10 makes a lot of sense. I don't understand why his ECR was so low. I think people are just kind of biased against him. I, I should mention that we were talking about uh, Teddy Bridgewater earlier and how he hasn't had a lot of, uh, um, of constant offensive coordinator um, uh, luck like, like you need to as a quarterback really to have continued success in most right. cases. Uh, Sean pointed out that, that Teddy has the same OC that he had back when he was in Minnesota. Again, he has Shermer. Uh, so that is a good point to maybe why he is excelling a little bit more this year. Uh, it's something that he's familiar with that uh, is coming back again. Oh, so that's cool. It's a good so, point. So, not, so you're not wrong when you say that it's changed a lot, but he's been able to go back to someone who he worked with in the past. Yeah. That seems to be helping a lot because he is playing very well. Denver's a, you know impressive 2-0 and right. in a very hard division. Right. And they, they, they've had very e- a very easy start to the season, though. Well, this they is like the Giants and the uh, Jaguars. This is like when uh, you talk about the the Raiders uh, and the Denver's on the other uh, the other foot, right? That's totally right. They've had the two <laughs> easiest victories that you can get. Yeah, and they're going to get another one this week because they play the Jets. But hey, ultimately, all that matters is the number of wins, not who you play against. So as far as Minnesota goes, obviously they're a team that's going to run the ball a lot with Dalvin Cook. He had an injury with uh, a shoulder sort of scare. Um, but it sounds like he'll probably be fine. And if Dalvin Cook is playing, he's going to get a full complement of rushes. So um, as far as Kirk Cousins goes, do you think that he's going to be able to continue this success? Or do you think he's going to come back down to earth a little bit? I don't I don't mean to say that he's like in some sort of outer stratosphere as far as his performance goes. But. Well, if you remember, uh, over the past couple of years, Cousins has always uh, performed fairly well, right? I, th- I think last year he was number 13 quarterback overall in fantasy Sure, points. I think he was just less consistent than he's been this year. When we talk about a guy that has Delvin Cook, right? And he's from Barrington after all. <laughs> we know what that means. You have Delvin Cook as a running back, and then you're looking at your passing offense, which has Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Now there's another guy who steps up to be the wide receiver three there. His name is uh, K.J. Osborne, and Osborne is, uh, he has 12 catches and 167 yards and a touchdown over the first two weeks. You've got a possible offense here that looks as good as the receivers do from uh, from Arizona, from Pittsburgh, from anywhere in the league. Uh, and that is just as helpful as anything else is to a quarterback. He has three guys he can throw the ball to and score touchdowns and gain yardage. And, and Thielen and Jefferson might be 
you know, is certainly in consideration for the best one-two combo in the league. Yeah, so if Osborne ends up not being a flash in the pan, I mean, he was a, a huge pickup in, on the waiver wire for the last two weeks, and, and you have Osborne, Jefferson, and Thielen as guys that are stretching the field uh, and able to, uh, to, to score those fantasy points, yeah. then Kirk Cousins is just going to be this well- uh, and because opposing defenses have to respect the run as long as Dalvin Cook is on the field. And uh, Irv Smith went down. When they get Irv Smith, uh, is he Irv Smith an IR for the whole season, or is he just gone for a couple of weeks? As Irv Smith is a definitely an up-and-coming tight end, but I believe he may have had surgery or something. I, I forget. He'll tell us here. What uh, happened to Irv Smith Jr.? <laughs> Thank you, Google questions. Uh, Minnesota Vikings tight end Irv Smith Jr. underwent surgery Wednesday. Yeah, he had surgery. Uh this was several weeks ago, not last Wednesday. There is no timetable for his return. Yeah, well, so so take that out of the equation. But but point being, uh, they are an offense filled with playmakers, and Kirk Cousins is yeah, just... meniscus, unlikely, likely to miss the season. Kirk Cousins is just the average quarterback that is good enough to... Uh, or above average quarterback, sorry. Yeah. I do think he has a good arm. Uh, to be certainly able, does. You to like be, that? Yeah. You like that? To... <laughs> To be able to uh, fulfill these guys' uh, uh, fantasy production goals. And uh, their goals are 20 points a game. <laughs> that's, in, that's definitely it. Yeah. Speaking of 20 points a game, uh, we've got Justin Herbert, whose team can't even score 20 points a game. Ooh. Oh. oh. So you've got him ranked at 13. His ECR is 9. We are four spots lower. It's a big difference when you're talking about the difference between 9 and 13. So his second season, not starting out with the big numbers that his rookie campaign had. Through two games, he is the quarterback 23 on the season. I thought, so I, I'm looking to rank the guy on Flea Flicker You're looking on the to player rank list. And they show 20 players at a time. I'm huh. like, why can't I find him on the list? It's because he's not even on the first damn page. Yeah. It's a shame. He's starting really slow. I think that Herbert is is, is good and he'll be fine for his career. But right now... You gotta probably, mm, you gotta you gotta maybe sit Herbert for a few weeks. You know, maybe stream somebody in there like a Cousins or a Bridgewater over Herbert because it's just not happening for them right now. Sometimes it takes a little while to start up the lawnmower. You know, they're yeah. they're another offense filled with playmakers. They'll get it going. Yeah, I, I you know I think part of his success was that he was just thrown in last year rather than being taken uh, through, which is going to benefit him in the long run, but, you know, not understanding the, you know, the gravity and the depth of, like, the situation you're in probably helped him Hmm. rather than uh, now that he's got everything to think about because he has not scored over 17 points in a game. Uh, He has not led the Chargers to more than 20 points on offense. Uh, And so this week they play the Chiefs. The Chiefs have only given up one passing touchdown in two games, and they played Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson. So those aren't slouches. Um, So if you drafted Herbert as an every-week starter, I think it's time to consider switching to a streaming quarterback strategy for now. I'm not saying you drop Herbert, but I think that you're going to want to pick somebody up to start this week because he's playing the Chiefs. The Chiefs' passing defense is good enough that I don't see Herbert breaking out of his slump against them. Yep. That, so I mean, I mean, that's accurate. Looks yeah. uh, a rank thirteen from an ECR nine means that I don't think that he's a startable quarterback in a one quarterback league this week. Yeah. So um, again, head to our website and check out Dave's rankings. He is doing um, um, a passable to a good job to a great job, really, 
uh, ranking all the players each week. I know that in week one you were in uh, like number thirty-five, and there's like two hundred more experts now. I think so. Uh, thirty-five is f- spectacular. I think there's around two hundred total. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're doing uh, you're doing great work there, Dave. Well, um, you know the, the rankings are are up and down as they always are. And... You're not going to be you know it, just like. <laughs> Fantasy players, you know, you're you're not. Unfortunately, you're not the Patrick Mahomes of fantasy experts, Dave. So, <laughs> so what's important, I think, is looking at uh, how you do from an annual perspective, uh, not necessarily from week to week, since things change so much. But right. what we always want to do uh, is is have the uh, the percentage of time that that we're correct to be uh, high enough that it removes some. Uh, randomness and and difficulty from the game and so if you were to follow the advice that i give then it the very least you would be probably you know 10 percent or 15 percent more accurate than maybe what your hunches are yeah and uh, that's what we're trying to give uh, as i speak for all of the pantheon of uh, fantasy pros experts Uh, that's why the ecr is a great tool because you can just go there and look at the ecr the expert consensus ranking which is the amalgamate of uh, of all of the rankings and compare that to what you are thinking uh, and then understand that as a baseline you are higher or lower on that player then you figure out why is that yeah so i think we'll continue to examine um different positions throughout the year where um there is like a noticeable difference between us and the ECR and, and why that is and what we are seeing uh, maybe that the rest of the public isn't or just isn't considering. Um, so, again, go to our website, check out Dave's rankings. Uh, you've been really great about getting them up early in the week and updating them throughout the week. So cheers cheers to you on that, sir. Gotta I do think it. you deserve a whiskey break. <laughs> it's this, uh, this Tuesday night whiskey club. Or sorry, Wednesday. Wednesday night. Wednesday night whiskey. It's been a long week already. It could be, it's like Sunday night football on Thursday night. It's Tuesday night whiskey on Wednesday. <laughs> you know what's fun about some of my leagues? I have two leagues that uh, that pick waivers on Thursday morning. Okay. And I have six that, that pick them on, uh, on Wednesday morning. Okay. So it's nice to kind of have that break. Right, uh, you don't have to do everybody at once. Because I remember in the past... Well, you uh, have to remember tonight to do waivers. <laughs> I, I remember in the past, I've uh, at one point I was playing like 11 leagues or something, and they were all on the exact same night. Oh, that's rough. So you're like, all right, it's 7 o'clock, time to do waivers. I'll For maybe four hours. I'll be in bed around uh, midnight. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun stuff, though, it really is. Oh, boy. Well, thank you for that uh, Wednesday whiskey waiver Oh, yeah, it's great. And if you need more waiver uh, advice, because maybe your team picks tonight or your league picks tonight, mm-hmm. uh, we have Jim Hutchinson's Hutchinson. Oh, I'm going to just keep butchering it. Hutchinses. <laughs> it's, it's the... Right? is it's, it's Jim Hutchinses. It's, it's Jim's waiver's picks. It's pick five. He has a problem with S apostrophe S. That's fine when it's appropriate and grammatically correct. My last name is... We both have names that end in S's, so we're used to it. Yes, but but you shouldn't have a problem with it. You have experience. You have direct experience with this S apostrophe S business. I do, I do. Yeah. So just to give you a, a little <laughs> a little taste, um, his five picks this week was Corderell Patterson, Carolina defense, Sterling Shepard, James White, and Rondale Moore. See, I would add uh, maybe Osborne, maybe Quintus Cephas, but if you only got five, it, it's uh, difficult to 
to put those guys uh, uh, up in that top uh, bracket. So, you know, go to a lot of websites where they're like, here's the waiver wire picks. There's 70 of them. Uh, right. What are you going to do with that much information? <laughs> well, information is good. I'm not, I'm not, we're not trying to start any misinformation uh, or disinformation. That's not what I'm campaign. saying. I'm saying sometimes too much information makes it much harder for you to make a decision. This is called the Drink Five Pick Five, uh, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah. No false advertising here, folks. And I don't even think we like gave him the name before he wrote the article, which is even better. <laughs> um, so let's talk about some stardom cinema. I only have a couple guys I want to mention. Some of these are hot takes, so you don't have to agree with them. Yeah, we're going to get you guys out of here early this week. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I, I think it's impossible to do a podcast that's not an hour and 15 minutes, but we'll see. <laughs> Um, but uh, stardom sit I'm going to start with running backs and, and do some wide receivers. Now I've got a start and a sit that I have a lot of information that I want to relay. Uh, okay. And then a couple guys that I just think belong to that uh, category as well. And I'll let you comment, uh, of course, on everything. But for those specific guys... Can I uh, comment on your comment? Yes. Well, we should stop it somewhere. Okay. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you can't get too meta. So... I want us to start uh, Chase Edmonds for those who have him on on your squad. He's ranked uh, running back 20 on my rankings. This is half PPR. Uh, Edmonds is going up against Jacksonville. If that's not enough to start him, I don't know what what is. <laughs> right. But but I have more. So the defensive unit there is in poor shape uh, this week. He is, in fact, Edmonds is the 20th highest scoring running back in fantasy points so far with 22.6 total. So the appropriately ranked RB20. I mean, I didn't rank him there because he's the 20th. I know. But it, then I looked and he was, and I was like, oh, that's convenient. These right? things just happen sometimes. Well, there's a difference, and, and there's a whole podcast we could do about uh, pr- projecting and predicting performance versus ranking. And yeah. so the terminology that we use when we say he's ranked 20th, for me, it's more of a, a, a prediction but I do kind of tend to center it a little bit too with the, uh, you know, with with how everyone else is seeing things. Um, if you go too far left of center, um, then it's a, it's you, you tend to get a little chaotic. Yeah, yeah, you'll be right on a couple things only. Yeah, you know, so and it's hard to tell which of those you're going to be right on. Right, and so uh, his usage has been consistent in the receiving game so far. He's had at least four receptions in each match. He is the 1A to James Conner's 1B. James Conner has been getting uh, uh, sometimes a reception or two, but mostly carries in the game. And he has been a pretty lackluster so far. So Edmonds has been the guy who's had the better statistics. Um, he has notched at least 75 all-purpose yards in both weeks one and two. Uh, that, along with the four receptions that Chase Edmonds has had per game at least, um, the, the Jags are currently allowing 25.1 points in half PPR to opposing running backs. So it's not tough for me to predict, and I'm projecting all these guys uh, with specific fantasy points. I'm predicting 81 yards and a touchdown for Edmonds this week, which is a total of 16.1 uh, in half PPR. Are you throwing some catches in there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so nice game for Chase. I think it's his first touchdown that he gets all year. Um, if you look at... Oh, yeah, he, he does have nine catches on the year already. Right, he had five and then four or the other way around. Yeah. Um, so I think he's done well. He just hasn't had a touchdown to propel him up past the top 20. Jacksonville's definitely the team to do that. Um, and it's not They're like... giving up the eighth most points to opposing running backs. Yeah, so that's 25.1 and a half PPR, as I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And that is um, an opportunity for, for those that, that have Chase Edmonds uh, not to swap him out because you don't think he has upside. It's more like this is his first year 
really being the starter on a team from the beginning. Uh, and this is the make or break couple weeks where he's either going to be supplanted by somebody or, you know, uh, they're going to bring in someone else or right. he's going to be the guy. Yeah, he's never had more than 100 carries in a season. 97 was his uh, uh, high watermark, and that was last year. He's already got 20 through two games, exactly. which is a pace of 170. So he's going to blow that away this year if he remains healthy. So I'm projecting the 16.1, and I think that it's not like Arizona has any problems getting to the goal line. Uh, that has not been an what issue. What a great offense. Yeah, it's fun I to watch. I think they scored 30 at least. Yeah, 38 and 34 so far this year. It's it's fun to have pretty, Kyler. Pretty good. Kyler in a dynasty is a, is a very entertaining uh, uh, option. Yeah. Uh, more starts, and this is where I really want to have your input. So I also think that we should start Jonathan Taylor. Uh, now Jonathan Taylor is, um, and I'll just tell you where, where they where they are in my particular rankings. Uh, Taylor is at number eight, so it's not like you wouldn't start him necessarily, but I think he'll be good this particular week. Um, We're stressing the fact that you need him in your lineup. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts on Taylor at all? So Taylor's got thirty-two carries throughout the through the season so far. I like that he had seven targets and six receptions in that first game. I hope that they can continue to use him in the passing game as well because that uh you know he he's a good enough back to do that. Only one reception last week for 2 yards, one target. Um but it was a it was kind of a weird game. There was some weird uh turnovers in that game and stuff. And the Colts are 0 and 2 now, so they really uh need to sort of figure out uh, something. I think they need to lean on their best players and Jonathan Taylor is easily their best running back well you know Carson Wentz has two sprained ankles which is How almost do you sprain both ankles on a play it's almost impossible for that to actually happen okay I don't I don't know did he sprain them both in the same play or was it like uh you know uh, throughout the game he sprained one and then put too much um uh emphasis on the other one and then that and then one sprained that one became sprained. I don't know I've never heard of a guy with two sprained ankles. Yeah, well, so, it's an unfortunate series of events for uh, Carson Wentz. Yeah, we can just call him Lemony Snicket for the rest of the year. That's, I think that's an appropriate nickname. That's right. So I, I think that Jonathan Taylor is going to get going here at some point. Um, when you look at Tennessee, how is their pass de- or their rush defense? It is uh, right at the middle. They're number 18. So okay. it's not, not great, not bad. It's a division game. The Colts need a win badly. Yeah. You know, I think that they need to lean on Jonathan Taylor in this game. And you're starting him anyway, but I think he'll be a top 10 running back this particular week. Uh, Kareem Hunt. Uh, Kareem Hunt is, uh, for me, uh, he's at number 21 versus Chicago. Uh, Chicago actually does have a good uh, rushing defense. Yeah, fifth fewest uh, points to opposing running backs. Only 12.45 points per game total among opposing teams and hunt has uh 23 touches through two games he's 84 rushing yards a touchdown and four receptions for 30 yards uh what i think will happen in this particular game uh is that they end up with uh, some passes to hunt because landry is out and because they're going to still utilize uh those running backs but they might not utilize them in the way that they have versus other other teams so that's always been hunt's game he only has four catches on the season so far so that's a bit worrisome to me as far as actually using him in the passing game. But I got to assume that they're going to go ahead and, you know, use him there. Yeah, again, as being again. predictive, I think that's what will happen in this particular game, which is why I have him as a start. Uh, and the last guy is Elijah Mitchell. 
Uh, it's. I just wanted to say I I actually don't think that you should start Kareem Hunt because. The Bears' rushing defense is so good, and because the uh, if they get Odell back, which is likely, they're going to need to throw the ball in order to advance it. And Nick Chubb is having a great year, and they're going to lean on Nick Chubb um, maybe a little bit more. I think Kareem Hunt will have his time a little bit later in the year once they need to scale back on the Nick Chubb usage. Well, again, the prediction is that they use him more in the passing game starting this particular week. Gotcha. Uh, but I know what you're saying from what has already occurred. Um, Elijah Mitchell, uh, if healthy now, Elijah Mitchell is the running back that was, uh, that was, um, pacing the other backs, uh, in the past, uh, matchup that the 49ers had through that game, uh, Mitchell and Sermon and hasty were all injured, but Mitchell was the one that came back at the end of the game and was able to play, um, when the other guys were not able to come back from their particular injuries. Uh, it looks right now as though Sermon is practicing limited, but he has a concussion. Hasty's going to be out for a little while, uh, and they just signed Chris Thompson. But Chris Thompson is is not a Shanahan back. You know, he's just a, a depth. Piece. Of course, he is. Chris Thompson was on Washington when Shanahan was there. That's not what I mean. He's not. He's not the uh, main like number one running back. No, no, no. But I think that you know this could work out. <laughs> However, we've said that about Chris Thompson for several years. Yeah. It's probably like a courtesy signing where we really need help. You really need a job. You know, let's see if this can work for a week or two, but I don't, I don't think it's going to work out in the end. What I'm saying about Mitchell is that he seems to be the healthiest right now of the backs. And so if he's able to play in this particular game, I don't see a reason why he wouldn't still be the lead back in this offense based on the way that they are um, posturing uh, the running backs currently. And, uh, I feel like I have Shanahan's career wrong. <laughs> nope, he was the OC in Washington up until 2013. Sure, but you know I'm talking about guys like Alfred Morris and, and guys like Raheem Mostert, not guys like Chris Thompson. Um, but, but you're right, he did play with uh, Shanahan, and uh, they certainly could use him. Yep, that was Chris Thompson's rookie season, 2013. Um, so, uh, Bam, my memory isn't total shit. We do have to speed, yes. up, speed up a little bit on these guys, so let's do a little more of a lightning round on the more starts. Let's do uh, it. But uh, a guy to sit, uh, and again, this is uh, somewhat of a hot take because everybody loves him, but I don't really see the love personally. Well, you're uh, not going to tell people to sit bad players. That's Tyson Williams, who's ranked 24 on, on my rankings. Uh, Williams, of course of the Ravens uh, who, who his claim to fame is when uh, Gus Edwards and JK Dobbins were both um, taken out for ACLs, yeah. uh, which is very unfortunate for the Ravens. In and general. whoever the third guy was, I forget his name. Um, third guy. I there think, was, there's three running backs on the Ravens that I don't think so. Got knocked out. Uh, the other guy was a defensive back. Okay, there was four total. There was three. Well, he tore his Achilles, I think. Isn't Trenton Cannon still around? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, let me check the depth chart. Well, regardless, uh, Williams now uh, is is uh, running with um, um, uh, Latavius Murray and Devonta Freeman. Okay. And those are the two guys that they've picked up. So the point is, Williams is going up against the poorest Lions defense. That's why he's so hyped up everywhere right now. Uh, both Elijah Mitchell from the 49ers and Aaron Jones from the Packers were able to pick apart uh, those, uh, uh, those... Justice Hill was the other running back. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you're right. So all of them 
you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, the entire room. Leaving the rookie. It's like the entire room getting COVID, except they had torn ACLs instead. So Elijah Mitchell and Aaron Jones were able to pick apart uh, the Detroit defense over the first two weeks of the season, which sounds great on paper as a matchup for Tyson. Uh, but I have to be contrarian with this um, because... Both weeks he struggled in key situations as a rookie. Week one's blown coverage, uh, which was very apparent, uh, led to the strip sack on Lamar Jackson. Yeah, yeah they where, lost the game because Where the that. Raiders won the game. And week two, he had a goal line fumble that was luckily recovered by his teammate Devin DuVernay. If he hadn't been recovered by Devin, then that, that also may have led that game astray. Yeah. And so it's not like the coaches aren't paying attention here. Uh, something interesting about Baltimore that those people that are in the know are aware of uh, is that they follow the numbers. They are definitely a numbers team. They'll do whatever the statistics say to do in whatever situation that they're in, regardless of whether personal opinions are. Uh, I don't know. The just last week, uh, that fourth down play. If there's a fifty-fifty stat thing, then they they'll. Okay, it was sixty percent. They had a sixty percent chance to win if they punted, and. They had only a 33% chance to win if they missed it. I'm just saying they, they're a total uh, money ball team. Uh, the, of, of most, yeah, they, they are, I totally agree with you yeah. that they are about as money ball as they come. But even in football, like in, in baseball, I feel like some of these money ball teams are going to go with the numbers 100% of the time. In football, there's still a little bit of gut in there. It, sure, but but my point is that they are, uh, as, as, you as said, Stephen would say, truthiness. Uh, is. is is most dependent on statistics as anybody is in the NFL. Um, and so because of that, when they look at these these things that uh, are happening with their rookie as opposed to the veteran guys uh, with pass protection, with uh, ball protection, uh, I don't see him continuing to be the lead back. They know better than that. They have these guys on their team, but Latavius Murray and Devonta Freeman – uh, are not guys that have gotten to know the playbook that have been on that team in the offseason. Yeah. And so as they develop more of a relationship and chemistry with everyone else on the squad, as those veterans are able to learn the playbook better and be more comfortable with Lamar Jackson, they are going to be the guys that protect Lamar Jackson, not Tyson, not not Williams. I just don't see it. Uh, so he I'm pro- doesn't, doesn't have the pedigree for uh, every down back. I'm projecting a disappointing 73 yards total. Now, that is still good for him, but no touchdowns, uh, only a couple of receptions, uh, leading him to uh, 8.3 fantasy points. It's not good for a flex spot, not on my team. Um, more sits, I have Devin Singletary, Jamal Williams, and J.D. McKissick. Care to comment on, on these possible sits? Um, so you will be tempted to start Tyson Williams because he's playing Detroit, because Detroit just gave up a huge game to Aaron uh, Jones, I say go with what you said, Dave, and you know, be the be the smarter team. Go with the statistics. Keep him on the bench. Um, I have no opinion on those other guys, honestly. They're all kind of at the back of uh, most of the benches. Um, J.D. McKissick is annoying because I have Antonio Gibson on the team, but Gibson's still getting catches, so you know it is what it is. Uh, I have no problem with sitting those three guys. Uh, wide receivers. I have a start for Jamar Chase. Uh, this is an interesting one as well. He's ranked WR27 in my rankings on Fantasy Pros. Chase has flashed these big play uh, abilities with good performances over weeks one and two for a total of 30.8 fantasy points. That makes him wide receiver 14 overall. Did you know that? I did not know he was that high. Now, when we talk about Jamar Chase in the in the offseason, everyone was just anti-hyping the guy, saying he can't catch anything, there's, there's issues. Well, 
To be uh, fair, he his... wasn't catching anything. No, it's... <laughs> Honestly, like, people but were... But it's an example of what you were saying earlier. That was people basing their opinion on what has already happened rather than projecting what will happen. Not only that, but a lot of the beat reporters, you know, and people that go to the practices, etc., they don't get to see all of the things that occur. Right. They get to see the open parts of practice, um, etc., but he's obviously been very good during weeks one and two. And uh, normally going up against the Steelers' defense, uh, a team that I like but try to remain impartial about, would be a major problem for young receivers. Very impartial over here. I'm, I am impartial. <laughs> I just like the logo. Sure. That's why I bought a Subaru. It's very close. Oh, there, you, there you go. <laughs> there's there's four stars. What can I do? Um, I thought about getting some kind of decal that's like that goes over the existing logo that's the Steelers' logo instead of... Anyway. I'm sure that exists. <laughs> so, um, so going up against the Steelers' defense would usually be a major problem. They have a, a good secondary. They have some great pass rushers. Puts a lot of pressure uh, on the opposing quarterback. But recent injuries that, that all happened um, during the Raiders game uh, of, of all times. Uh, what, what a horrible game for us as the Steelers. Uh, we had tons of injuries. You may be impartial, but they're still us. <laughs> Again, I'm just poking at you, dude. Continue, please. Tons of defensive injuries, and we had Alu Alu, uh, who's going to be out for a while with a fracture, uh, and TJ Watt, who's ranked uh, uh, lately one of the best players in all of football. Uh, who who was yeah? Injured. That's huge. That's that's. But he won't be gone all year. No, and and Joe Hayden uh, also was out and may still be out for this week. So those are some really high profile defensive players on that defense. Uh, that make it more palatable to start a guy like Chase. We saw the Raiders make progress down the field uh, after those players were were gone from the roster uh, through the air, and I expect the Bengals to be able to do the same thing. Uh, I don't think Burrow is going to have as much success uh, as uh, Derek Carr did, but he'll have some. And the key defensive players not being healthy enough to start this weekend, and I don't think they, they necessarily will be, are going to be a huge problem for the Steelers. Jamar Chase uh, will probably have limited receptions here. There are other players on that team as well in, uh, in T. Higgins and uh, uh, who's the other uh, great receiver for the, for the Bengals? Um, cha, da, 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 da. You got me stumped. Well, I can't remember Boyd. at the moment. Tyler Boyd. Yeah, Tyler Boyd. So they have, they have a group of good receivers. Uh, I mean, those guys have been getting a lot of targets as well. But I feel like Chase is, has been featured recently. Hey, Burrow's going to chuck the ball a lot. Yeah, maybe. Uh, he has not been an outstanding quarterback so far this year. That's very true. Um, and I, I think that uh, his projection for me uh, is 67 yards and a touchdown. Maybe he uh, needs to throw the ball more. For a, a total of 14.2 fantasy points, which is still a really great uh, output against the Steelers' defense. And uh, for this sort of uh, a fledgling um, uh, quarterback on this new Bengals offense that is passing a little bit more. Yeah. I see improvement as far as Joe Burrow goes in lots of um, lots of statistical categories compared to last year. Three interceptions all occurring last week against a good defense is something that you just got to kind of shake off. I think that the solution here is for him to throw the ball more. <laughs> I do. Well, they also have Joe Mixon, who's a great running back, and he, they've been utilizing him a good bit as well. Yeah, but you've nice got three great receivers on yeah. your team his problem is that the offensive line is still not that great and so he's yeah. getting a lot of pressure yeah. uh and he's, he's not if they had a good tight end it would really take a lot of uh 
It'd be a great safety valve, and they don't have that right I now. I think this year they'll concentrate on on maybe that kind of a thing, uh, uh, and and some you know more offensive line help. Yeah, I'm sure they're scouting at Iowa as we speak. Uh, but they're doing okay. They did lose to the Bears, uh, and I don't necessarily think they'll beat the Steelers unless Ben Roethlisberger is ruled out uh, after uh, his injury. Pectoral. Um, yeah, pecs. But he plays through a lot of that stuff, so we'll see. Yeah, that's true. Um, he did. Don't take a shot and play whatever. He was injured fairly early in the last game, uh, and I can put up a lot of excuses, but most of them have to do with the defense being injured, uh, which is why the Raiders scored so many points. Um, the last, I think the Raiders might also be good. It's still too early to tell. It's, it's pretty early. <laughs> But they're, they're making a case. Yeah, they uh, are. More starts. I have Rondale Moore on Arizona, who's regularly getting all kinds of targets. I think he's the hottest pickup this week. Yeah. He really is. And, I mean, Arizona doesn't need another good guy. Like, they have A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, and Rondale Moore. They have more than that, They actually. They have more guys that they don't even play right now. I know. And it's sick. I finally cut uh, who was the guy that had been there uh, – he was like a, a rookie, not a rookie anymore, but he was at the back of the lineup. Let's have a look at my activity. You mean the really fast guy? Andy Isabella. Yeah, Isabella. I finally cut him. I had picked him up uh, in, in a draft, what, two years ago. Well. And I finally had to cut him this week because the wide receiver group is so deep and another guy stepped up and, you know. Yeah. It, it's, it's very impressive. Um, I like Tim Patrick, especially because he's playing well and – Jerry Judy is going to be out for a little while, and we, as we talked about, um, Teddy Bridgewater's throwing the ball well, and you already hyped Darnell Mooney earlier t- tonight. So those those two guys also uh, also starts for me. Yeah, and I, I sorry, I thought you had already mentioned them. No, <laughs> but that's fine. And so yeah, I think those guys are also starts that are on that uh, WR three flex uh, slash on your roster, depending on how deep yeah. your league is. Um, but don't be afraid to put them in. Uh, these are guys that might show up on our trending list. You know, I love I love trends, and we can start to talk about those in week four, five, six. Um, because before then, going into week three, there is no such thing as a trend. There's, That's true. There's just people that have played two games. So I think that what we <laughs> should do is start the campaign for Joe Burrow's 40 passing attempts per game. I, I'm not going to be on any kind of a campaign for, for the Bengals. <laughs> But good, good luck if you want to. I, you know, I think that <laughs> I think if we can get ten targets a game for each wide receiver, that that offense is going to start putting up a lot of points, and th- that'll back off some of the pressure because they're going to have to, you know, if, if he can get the ball out quickly, that's all it takes. Well, you tweet the Bengals, man, and you see what happens at Sin Bengal. I don't know. What I actually they are. don't know. I've never tweeted them. Yeah, I've never found a reason to tweet the Bengals. I, I mean, I'm like sure that really I can nice... find Joe Burrow on Twitter and be like, "You should throw the ball more," and he'll be like, "Yeah." Sharp uniforms. You know, that's all I can really I, say. Seriously, some of the best <laughs> uniforms. Although, like any team, they'll pick an alternate uniform and ruin everything. Yes. Uh, and and my sit, uh, at least the the one I want to break out and and have a little bit of a, a description about is uh, Devonta Smith. Uh, on the Eagles, he's ranked WR30. Uh, Smith has led all Eagles receivers and targets over the past two uh, games, and if that means anything. I mean, it's happened before with Travis Fulgham. It's happened with other receivers. The Eagles are definitely a dumpster fire and continue to be. Um, I, I don't understand their organization or how they are putting together a team right now. I don't know what, what that entails, and I don't see any consistency uh, with any of it. Uh, it's certainly building some hype for the rookie receiver, though. So Devonta, 
had a great performance in week one. He put up 16.1 fantasy points against Atlanta. Fell back to earth in week two with only 16 yards on two receptions. I continue to see Smith being chased as a WR3 or a flex start against Dallas. And Dallas has been giving up a ton of points through the air. So I understand why. Like, you're chasing the points. You picked up the guy. You're hyping up his performance. You think that the Eagles could uh, uh, score some points, especially because they'll probably be coming from behind uh, in that particular uh, matchup. Trouble is it's Jalen Hurts. But... He's only the WR46 on the year in total fantasy points, and he's a rookie, and he's on the Eagles. And so all these things uh, weigh him down into the ocean far more than his week one performance of 16.1 fantasy yeah, points. Yeah. And uh, Devonta Smith is not a guy to start. Not a guy to start. Rondale Moore, Tim Patrick, Darnell Mooney, all guys to start. Devonta Smith is a sit. Projecting more yardage and receptions than he got last week because it's hard not to get that. Uh, when you're being targeted, but still a low output at 4.7 fantasy points and half PPR. Don't start Devonta Smith. Yeah, I mean, look, you don't have to convince me to try to sit Eagles players. <laughs> I have been, you know, very down on that team all year. So I'm not a big fan of the Eagles at all. I don't think that you're going to find any consistency in their passing game or in their offense in general. You're going to get a lot of points out of uh, Hurts, but... Uh, even there, I, I don't think that it's something that you can rely on week to week. Yep. Uh, here's three other guys that I think that you uh, should consider sitting. Uh, in in some cases, uh, it depends if you're in a deeper league or uh, uh, you know one that's a little bit easier. I, I, I don't think Debo Samuel will have a good performance this week. I don't think Marvin Jones will have a good performance this week. And I don't think Brandon Cooks will have a performance. So this is something, a question I posed to you off air. Um, is Marvin Jones the new Frank Gore? Is he just going to be good forever and we're just going to continue to discount him? Because um, <laughs> <laughs> so, we've done it for like two years now. We've crapped on Marvin Jones and he continues to put up lots of touchdowns. And uh, did you know Frank Gore is a free agent? Has not played in 2021. Yeah, well, he only needs like 100 more yards to surpass uh, or join like Emmett Smith in some pantheon of... Well, don't uh, worry. After the next injury to the 49ers, <laughs> he'll be on the 49ers. So, you think the 49ers and Baltimore Ravens will completely run out of all of their They're going to have to split Frank Gore in half. Yeah. He runs for both teams. Uh, no, I, I think that Marvin Jones is, as you say, perhaps one of those uh, wide receivers that can play for a really long time, and he's certainly proving it there. Uh, I, I simply don't think that this is the week for those three receivers. Um, Sean, Sean points out, uh, talking about Burrow, uh, that uh, if the O-line can't keep him up for those 40 throws, he'll never be able to throw them. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so we have a few trades that were brought up in the chat room. Let's grade a few trades while we have a minute left or so. Okay. Uh, so uh, Kellen Brown says that we may hate this trade, but he traded away Kyler Murray. And uh, Tyson Williams uh, for DK Metcalf. Um, however, <laughs> well, I, I'm 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 just trying to complete the. I hope I don't get the you know the entire I, name. I wrong. think you're good. Yeah. So his team is now Justin Herbert at quarterback. As I said earlier, maybe look for a streaming option there. But he's got Saquon and Kamara at running back. That's awesome if it's 2019. No, they should still be good. They'll still be pretty good. But his wide receiver group: C.D. Lamb, Keenan Allen, DK. Uh, Hawkinson at flex. He has MT at flex, and my brain is just stuck on Michael Thomas. Who is MT? I couldn't get an answer out of him. 
Flex says DK, comma, MT. Yeah, I don't know who MT is. Uh, I, I assume that I it's think Michael MT. Thomas. Right, Michael Thomas is the but only he's name he's not going back till week eight. Right, so it wouldn't be a, it doesn't make any sense in this context. Mm, I don't know. Maybe someone can help us out that's listening. Uh, but but let's not let's not worry about that too much. So I think that what's, in what's a single quarterback league, so the trade was Kyler Murray and Tyson Williams for DK Metcalf. So in a single quarterback league, when you already had Justin Herbert, I think that's a pretty good trade. You know, he's just looking for uh, affirmation. Absolutely. Okay, uh, trade away uh, a quarterback that has talent in a league where you only play one quarterback. And Justin Herbert should still be good after he gets through whatever this uh, pause of early season stuff is. Yeah. Um, and then Alvin Kamara for Zeke, Kirk, Patterson, who wins? I, I don't understand that question. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, Christian Kirk, and Cordero Patterson. And the, so and, why would you trade Kamara for all three of those guys? Well, it's Kamara, first of all, right? Like Camaro. Got you. We gotta pronounce the names correctly. You're right. They don't even do it on TV. Well, you're calling him Tyson Williams on the TV. I think it's Tyson Williams. Oh, I, I during the broadcast I kept hearing Tyson. You know what? I don't know what to think. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I've never heard the guy's name. I better learn it tonight. Yeah, I thought it was Tyson. Um, you know, maybe Sean can correct us, being that he probably followed the guy. He's a rookie college. and knows where he went to school and everything. Okay, so as far as that trade is concerned, I feel like people overvalue Camara. Um, if you can get Ezekiel Elliott and Christian Kirk and Cordrell Patterson for Camara, then I think that that is maybe good value. But here's the thing: uh, I'm not necessarily starting Christian Kirk, and I'm not necessarily starting Cordrell Patterson. Right. So it's kind of a Camara uh, for Zeke. So I have to say that all that really matters there is that you had worse players on your team that you were replacing with the extra guys. And if if that's not true, if you're not replacing worse guys, then they're not providing any additional value for your team, and you're trading Camara for Zeke. In which case, if you think that Zeke will do better throughout the year, then that's great. Uh, I personally think that uh, the Saints' offense is too volatile. Uh, and so I would probably play Ezekiel Elliott in most cases over Kamara right now as the situation uh, exists currently. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Great. Uh, well, if you have any more questions, then, then uh, let us know. Uh, I have a whole other segment that we're going to start next week, which is called the Cut List. And the, the J Cut List. What, <laughs> you could call it the J Cut List. Yeah. That's one of my uh, favorite segments we of the season. We did it last year. I, I really liked it last year. My favorite things to talk about are trends and the cut list because people really hang on to the players that they love for too long, even when it's way overdue for them to be cut. I agree. I mean, you 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 put in uh, all this value into the players early on, and you want it to pay off. You want to be right about the players. By the way, Sean says he went to BYU. He thinks Dave had it right, which I appreciate. Oh. But, but he's not sure. <laughs> and I'm also not sure. <laughs> I've heard it pronounced both ways. Uh, is it Tyson or Tyson? Um, but we're spelling it right with the apostrophe and everything. So Mrs. Williams will be happy. We will definitely pronounce it correctly. <laughs> um, well, thanks to everybody for listening in tonight. Uh, Jason, do you have any parting words for uh, for the audience? I'm going to look up the pronunciation guide really quick. <laughs> He's not on there. Well, I'm going with Tyson, like the chicken. Yep. All right. <laughs> well, cheers, everybody. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. Make sure Thanks. you subscribe on YouTube. 
give us a review, smash that like button. I hate saying that. Don't smash it, just click it. You don't have to say anything. No one's <laughs> controlling you. Drink five, everybody. <laughs> Cheers. Drink five, and good luck uh, this week. Cheers. <laughs>